The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome to a special edition of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. Uh, we're calling this, I guess, an emergency podcast, kind of like an instant reaction podcast. How about that? Um, Hudson, you are headed back home from the, uh, what were we calling this, the Texas Bash? I don't know, Mike. I kept on calling it different things, and I I don't know if the staff loved that. I was calling it the pool party, which sounds kind of silly. So I've been trying to call it the like end of the month recruiting event. I don't know, man. I think they had elite bash on the um, scoreboard, but that's what they called the last one. So a little confusing, but regardless, it was a really good event. I definitely saw Texas bash on the, on the side. Texas on the bash. You're right. You're right. Um, where where are you located right now? Along, or assume along thirty five somewhere. I am along thirty five. Your clues are bang on, and I'm in Salado, home of the beautiful, Eagles. Beautiful Salado. Got Texas. full bars out here. Yeah, got full bars out here too, which is lovely for a you know smaller town. Um, obviously, it's on I thirty five, so it's not exactly a shock, but. Uh, and there you go, Mike. I just jinxed our Zoom recording of this, so <laughs> apologies. Well, first of it, without me being there, how did it go from a coverage standpoint for you? Um, it was okay. Obviously, you know, uh, you. I mean, there was no way that you'd be able to get out here. So, you know, um, like I would have preferred for you to be there because we really crush it. But overall, it wasn't wasn't too bad at all. Um, so I just kind of want to run through a couple of the highlights of this and, and we'll see kind of, you know, what your perceptions were. Um, my first question for you um, is, and I'm kind of interested because I'm not there. So I'm kind of like a fan listening to this as I'm, I'm waiting for all the information from you. Um, Arch was on campus and every time he's been on campus in the past, there's been like a lot of juice, right? Like it's a different kind of feeling. Was it the same or was it a little different now with him being committed? I think it was a little bit different, even though obviously anytime that Arch is on campus, he kind of is the planet that everything else rotates around. And like everybody else is in orbit of Arch Manning just because, you know, he is that level of player. So it was a little bit different in that there wasn't this scramble from everybody to, you know, try and just get any little bit of an Arch Manning nugget. 
So from, I think, a scoop perspective, it was different because the Arch Manning recruiting nuggets that you're getting is about how he's helping Texas get all of these other uncommitted players and shoring up um, guys that are in the class, making sure they aren't taking visits anywhere else. So I think that maybe dampened it a little bit, but I mean, you know, anytime that he's on campus, it's electric. And I think you saw that for how excited people were with the note that he um, really made Colton Vosick out of Austin Westlake a priority today. Let's start with kind of Vosick and the 2023 guys in general. I'm going off the top of my head here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it felt like really the big two 2023 guys on campus were Colton Vosick and Jordan Matthews that were uncommitted. Uh, is that right? Am I missing somebody? No, they, they were definitely the biggest two, and with the caveat that Darian Gallette wasn't able to make it. Um, I had told you on Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember exactly, that there was a chance that he might not make it just because, you know, they're, they're doing rehab for his knee injury. And then I think today, I haven't fully confirmed this, but I think there might have been some car trouble as well. Now, of course, that's a moot point if he ends up going to Texas A&M this weekend and then Texas is a little bit at a recent disadvantage, but I still feel good about where they are with Darren Gillette. So yeah, it was Matthews and Colton Vosick were kind of the two big guys. And I'd put Marcus deal in that category too, I guess. Uh, yes. I, yeah, absolutely. I forgot. I, even though I just talked to him on the phone, not 30 minutes ago, I forgot <laughs> to have Marcus Steele's name. Mike, on the list. R- real quick too. It's like what we talked about the other day on the podcast, Every single uncommitted 2023 priority on campus today was defensive. Like, yeah. that's there wasn't a single uncommitted. Right exactly, there wasn't a single uncommitted in the 2023 class offensive guy because, you know, Cedric Baxter and Deuce Robinson didn't make it in, and um, you know, Jalen Hale we had expected not to show up. So those are kind of the three remaining guys. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they close this thing out. It's um, looking I'm, – I'm optimistic after today's events. You know, I feel like in the past this event has so much heat to it because there's – you know, they may have 10 or 11 commits by this point in time, and, you know, then it's it's all their major targets. And, like, with the board being so focused, it's just been an odd cycle to kind of cover from that standpoint. With the three guys, and and I'll give a little bit on deal since I talked to him, but, you know, with Vosick, I I know he didn't talk, but you spoke with a source uh, regarding him. And then with Jordan Matthews, you did have a a talk with him. You know, where do you feel Texas is after this trip with both those guys? We kind of previewed with Jordan Matthews that we felt really good heading into the visit, and I feel that much better after talking with him. I think Texas has just crushed every single visit. The fact that they didn't even have to use an official and he, you know, he's probably, I don't know. I think it's safe to say, like we both have picks in. It's safe to say he's Texas lean ahead of his commitment. So that's extremely encouraging. And then with Vosick, they're just continuing to plug away um, and kind of chipping at Oregon's lead. And I don't know, I'm going to be aggressive with trying to talk to as many people as I can over the next few days and see if maybe this was enough for Texas to kind of just outright take the lead in that recruitment. I'm really encouraged with what I heard um, with the caveat that even if he does decide to commit to Oregon or any other school 
um, even though Oregon does seem to be the leader, I, I think Texas really does have a chance to eventually get his signature. I talked to a source who said Arch was basically attached to the hip, and you confirmed that from both what you heard and what you saw. Exactly. And, I mean, Mike, we've talked about this a ton of times, and it just makes so much sense that those two would kind of gravitate towards each other because they also have the um, they also have the Texas walk-on uh, recruitment specialist state ch- championship game MVP, uh, defensive MVP and Michael Taffy. Um, who's, you know, been doing a job recruiting both of them and uh, was hanging out today as well. So, like, that just makes a ton of sense. Like, Arch almost is like an honorary Westlake chap. He is. And uh, if he were in Texas, there's no doubt he would be uh, at Westlake, I believe. Uh, he just, hey, know. that's a fun, that's a, that's a fun hypothetical of what different schools arch manning would play for in each city so like alamo heights in san antonio westlake in austin highland park in highland dallas park, yeah. then for houston for houston it's a little bit interesting i'd probably say like Strake jesuit or st thomas yeah because wouldn't the equivalent to those schools we just mentioned in houston be like uh what is it called it'd be like uh, memorial or yeah, old school memorial lamar, memorial yeah, but- lamar stratford but really now with the dynamics, I think you're right that like Stratford or uh, what was the other one you said? I guess I, guess I could um, see Arch and Katie, although I think he'd yeah. want to throw the ball. I, I just think it would be I just think it would be either like directly downtown or like a, a private school. Like I said Highland Park, but honestly, Arch Manning at St. Mark's would kind of make sense, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, so- sorry for the tangent. No, it's a, it's a fun, fun exercise. Um, with Marcus Deal, I'll mention him real quick since I talked to him on the phone. I do think Texas has slowly and kind of quietly made up some ground there. I think that there's a preference I reported last week kind of from his camp that they really like what Bo Davis brings from a development standpoint. And um, I, I think that that puts them in a position. Talking to Marcus, you know, he said he's got two official visits left to use. He's definitely one will be to Texas and uh, he's looking at making a postseason decision. So, um, you know, Texas is going to have to ride that one out uh, to, to get Marcus deal. Uh, but I do think that they've done enough to kind of get back into it after falling out early, early in the recruitment. Mike, we kind of talked about this on the phone, but it's exciting that there's kind of a rare recruit that Texas is going after. That's a priority that is going to be taking his decision, you know, all the way to probably national signing day two or national signing day one. I mean, obviously DJ Hicks, the number one player in the state from Katie Paytow um, has always maintained that he was going to commit either in January or February, but I don't know. It's kind of cool considering they already have 20 kids in the class and will probably be at 25 before they play Oklahoma that there's a longer uh, term recruitment that, they're going to stick and fight for. The next thing I want to talk about is the all-important eyeball test. You got to eyeball some guys today that we haven't seen in person. I asked you, I was very like interested to see, hey, what did Peyton Kirkland look like to you? Because you and I have never seen him up close, and you were uh, you were pretty impressed. Yeah, Peyton Kirkland looks like a freak. Oh, my God. He is was verified. At like six five and a half and 
350 ish pounds. And when I looked at him, I legit was just stunned because even next to guys that are technically, I believe, taller than him and Andre Kojo and Connor Stro, Peyton Kirkland just has such a broad chest. And I don't even know. I, I, it's hard to even describe, but the dude is just massive. And especially considering what I kind of told you, Mike, that I was impressed with his foot speed um, in camp tape and game tape. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm really buying the. I'm really buying the fact that they were able to get him as that last take in the class. Obviously, you know, I didn't get to talk to Peyton, but it seemed from talking to recruit sources that he was really enjoying his time and was pitching in, recruiting other guys to go to Texas. Obviously, he had the photo with Coach Sark um, calling Texas home. Um, obviously, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch in the fall to see how committed um you know he stays but I, I don't know i was really impressed and then another guy mike was Tadarius tutti collins out of shreveport uh, louisiana at northwood high school he blew me away with how good he looked in person all of six foot four he's listed at 250 and i believe that's a verified measurable and if it is 250 it's not a single bit of bad weight ridiculously good kid he was really excited about the fact that we might come out to one of his rivalry games and kind of just was really honest about where he is in the process and that you know a lot of schools are kind of jumping in on him now so he doesn't want to rush and make a decision so he's just kind of open to everyone but he really likes texas and bo davis was kind of putting on a really good recruiting uh effort to him so i don't know that was those were two that initially caught the eye i'll I'll say this too uh bernie 2025 offensive lineman logan schramm looks about as good as any underclassman offensive lineman that i've seen yeah we saw him at uh at the elite bash back in june and he caught our eye immediately um you know zadavian sims i know he's also an impressive guy but again we saw him back in june uh, For I sure. Go, I want to go back to Collins because he's a guy we haven't talked about a ton. He is a 2023 prospect. He is certainly on the board. Where do you think looking at him, you know, he plays in, but I don't think he's a true edge, right? Like he's probably a bulk up and play yeah. on the interior line type of guy. I I absolutely think that he'll, he'll be a five tech or a maybe even a three tech if he really bulks up. I, I like his tape a lot after they offered him. Um, actually, I will – uh give nick a shout out nick actually mentioned him as somebody to you know keep an eye on and i watched his film some game tape and was really impressed and then it felt like not two days later bo davis offered and we were in contact so i don't know exactly how much they're pushing right now but i do think that he's a legit possibility to end up in the class um, especially if you know Hunter Osborne can, can use his trajectory ahead of uh, August first, I believe commitment date, and doesn't pick Texas, and you know they maybe miss out on another defensive lineman. I, I think that that would be a safe bet um, for the class, honestly. One of uh, let's move on to the underclassmen. One of our both of our favorite guys uh, was there in uh, Peyton Pierce from Lovejoy. 
I, you know, ranked one of the top linebackers in the country for that class. And I think a very, very, very good football player. Um, what you said, you had a really good conversation with Tim, which doesn't surprise me because every conversation I have with Peyton is, is delightful. Um, what, uh, what did you get from that? Peyton's one of my favorite type of prospects, Mike. I think we are kind of in lockstep on this. The guys that are, you know, kind and considerate with their answers, but also are just directly football focused and have that little bit of confidence to them. I mean, that's exactly what he is. He just got off of a Oklahoma visit that he had a lot of positives to say about. And then when we talked to him after the Texas visit, he was like, look, it was a big deal that I got to bring my mom and she loved it. And Texas is absolutely up there, but he was extremely, um, I guess, eloquent in the way that he put how he's going to handle his process. He said, yeah, I'm going to be narrowing down the top schools in my head, um, but I'm not going to have anything formal out until next spring. And then I'll probably decide next summer. It's just a extremely calculated kid that I I don't know, just kind of gets it, Mike. It's a little bit of a cliche, but he's just that, He's just that middle linebacker that has the wrestling background at a pretty elite level, right? You, you'd champion. be able to confirm that more than I would. Yeah, he's yeah. a state champion. And at heavyweight, in addition to the, yeah, in addition to the fact that he's probably going to play QB for Lovejoy, a Lovejoy team that'll probably what send four receivers to Power Five eventually. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Maybe probably five. So I mean. Yeah, you're you're actually right. It probably is five. But regardless, it's just he checks every single box for me, at least. And yeah, in a productive group of underclassmen. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, yeah, I was just saying, yeah, he's super productive. He's got the multi-sport. He tackles everything that get near that gets near him. And like I, talking to him about wrestling, he's like, that's where he's like, I just feel like if I get my hands on somebody, I'm getting them to the ground. And Mike, too, we watched him. We watched him gut out two straight weeks in the playoffs on a ankle that barely seemed to be able to move against Mansfield Timberview and Dallas South Oak Cliff, two of the top ten teams in five A. So, like the kid's a warrior too. Like the mental eval checks out as well. So, I'm not not a can't say enough kind things. Um, I want to mention one of your guys in Cadavian Dodson. What it what uh, real quick? Can you kind of give some background as him uh, as a player before I get into what he told me about the visit? Yeah, so I've known Dotson for a while. He was originally in the Lancaster Junior High system, um, and when Chris Gilbert was still at Lancaster, he was telling me about this kid. He's like, "I got a kid coming that's going to be a monster," and then uh, transferred ended up transferring to Duncanville early on. Played for Team Grind in Dallas, and I'm really close with those guys. And they just were like, you know, you got to see KD, you got to see KD. Um, and early on, I remember I, I, I used to confuse him a lot with DeCorian Moore because it was like they're both really young guys that are getting all this hype, and like DeCorian Dots or DeCorian Moore and Canadian Dots. It's kind of like you know similar syllables to their names um, for sure. But what I really love about him, he's like a true center field type free safety. A great, great read on the ball. We saw it last year in the playoffs with Duncanville. I think he oh, had yeah. one of the more impressive playoff runs of anybody in the state. Um, just a great guy to where it comes to reading the ball, finding the ball, getting his hands on the ball. Um, and, and big frame, projectable frame. So uh, I love him as a player. 
I'm really happy that you mentioned that he started out at uh, Lancaster Middle School because, and I'm never going to say Lancaster the way that Dallas people say it. I know it sucks, Dallas people. Lancaster. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but Corey and Gibson was there as well, and Kadavian was just raving about the fact that Coach Sark and Terry Joseph brought both of them into the office and kind of just gave them the hard sell on Texas and it really paid off and they were both just gushing about their experience. So that brought me kind of back to Mike. One of the things we've been talking about that not having all of this weight on the 2023 class kind of lets Sark allocate his time towards the 24s and the 25s to where maybe they can use this uh, boost to maybe grab a couple early commitments or at least get into really solid starts where other schools are going to kind of have to have those junior days for the first impressions. Yeah. It's, it's the great thing about being so far ahead in your current cycles. You can really turn that focus on to the next one and the one after that. And that's kind of where everything is going. Another one of our favorites was on campus again and uh, Freddie DuBose. Um, Freddie seems to always be having a good time whenever we see him. So my question is, was the lad having a good time? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, The lad was definitely enjoying the time in Austin. And, you know, Freddie's pretty open about the fact that Texas probably leads right now. Not probably. They do lead right now. But he's also been really honest with me about the fact that he doesn't want to rush into a decision. He thought about maybe popping... Uh, once Arch did, and the staff was definitely giving him a hard press of, hey, you know, let's just get in the boat now. But he wants to take his time with it. And, you know, that's kind of where the, I think the recruitment's going to go for a while. Fred, uh, Freddie also had a quote, too, that I thought was awesome, where he was like, yeah, Xavier Worthy, that's like my idol. Like, that's the that's who I want to base everything off of. I want to end up just like him, which I thought um, was really good after – a bunch of the recruits and I think he might've been the first or second one to mention that they got to take in uh, the player led practice, Mike, and they were just absolutely raving every, almost every recruit we talked to was raving about the energy, which was so encouraging to hear on just the football side of things, not even how it affected recruiting, but just the fact that so many different players were able to come away with it, uh, you know, with such a positive reaction, because you know how it is. Sometimes if you show players practice, it's not always positive takes. I mean, there were some examples from the Herman area, I believe, of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really showing all your cards and pulling back the curtain. And okay, you see how this is we're not putting on a show for you. This is our workout. And um, to hear that it you know was received so positively, I think is good. Um you know, Freddie's headed to uh, A&M this weekend. Is that is that correct? Yeah, he um, moved to Smithson Valley, obviously, and uh, Smithson Valley has an A&M commit in Colton Thomason. So I believe Freddie's going to be a part of the Thomason family for the weekend. So that'll, that'll be a fun trip for them. Um, another guy that we met back in June, or I met back in June, we met his dad, and you said that you really, you know, you were struck by the conversation the two of you had today. Uh, is James Peoples, 24, running back from uh, San Antonio Veterans Memorial. Uh, what was uh, what struck you so much in that conversation? So James Peoples is obviously the at Veterans Memorial in the San Antonio area. He's the kid of a 
uh, military family and was just one of the, I, I, I used eloquent earlier, but it's just, he was such an eloquent speaker. He gave so many good details on his answers. He was just nothing but positive um, about his recruiting process, but also seemed to have enough self-awareness to understand like, okay, maybe I might have to be the second running back in this class, but you know, that's okay with me. And I'm going to evaluate all of my options. Um, just ridiculously, ridiculously well-spoken and an awesome kid. And I'm going to be really excited to watch him as a junior. One thing he said, Mike, that I thought was such a good point that none of the other recruits made was he remembered the exact drills that he did when he earned a Texas offer at camp in June. And he loved the fact that Tashard Choice was doing the exact same drill circuit um, with the Texas running backs. And he was like, look, if he's watching Bijan Robinson and that group do those drills and then offers me like the, the, that just almost sold it to him without Tashard Choice even having to say something to him. So, I mean, that, that kind of struck me just the trans, uh, you know, the trans, uh, I don't even know what I'm trying the translation the I guess from yeah, the transitive process. yeah from camp drills to workouts um really impressed him and I thought it was a great point also I, I will say this performance is going to be deteriorating as we go along with this podcast because I have the car off um so there's no background noise and so mm-hmm. it's a, it's basically a sauna you would okay. think that I am shedding weight for a middleweight fight. I just got to look at your forehead and I can definitely see some glistening. Um, we're not. Thank that, God this is a video. Yeah, we're not that far from wrapping this thing up. Um, overall, no, yeah, for sure. Overall, you know, just like I asked for Freddie, did it seem like most of the lads were having a good time? Did it seem like a, a good event just from a, a people watching standpoint? Yeah, I think so. I think that. Texas staff and probably fans would be honest that you wanted maybe a couple more priority targets. You'd like to see a JVN Toviano make it. Ideally, you'd want to maybe get a Braylon Shelby or Anthony Hill back on campus. But, you know, with it being a Thursday, that also kind of complicated things a little bit. So with everything, I think you'd give it like a B plus or maybe even an A minus and kind of call it a day heading into fall camp. All right. Well, that's uh, that's. I think that'll do it for the recap. We'll let you get the AC back on and uh, back on the road headed north. Anything else you want to add before we get off here? I don't think so, Mike. I appreciate you for help helping with set up the podcast and everything and editing it when you are out in Missouri with the in laws moving and doing all that. So I appreciate that a ton and. Also, appreciate all the nice DMs and comments we got from the fans after we didn't record the state of recruiting for a while. So, you know, all in all, positive vibes. It's going to be really exciting to see how this Texas class ends up by, you know, the start of the football season. I'm pumped. Yeah. And hey, fall practice next week. Like, we're fall practice next week, scrimmage soon. Peyton Pierce told me that they're scrimmaging uh, McKinney High, which I didn't realize. So I'm pumped. Like, we're getting back to football pretty soon. Yeah. We're, we are very excited about that. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the State of Recruiting for Hudson Standish. I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week.